It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hawkeye fans, get ready. It's time for the Hawkeye Nation Radio Show, powered by the Polk County iClub on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 AM and now 106.3 FM, KXNO. And welcome to the Hawkeye Nation Radio Show here on KXNO, 1460 AM, 106.3 FM. Andrew Downs and Trent Condon here taking you into your 7 o'clock hour on KXNO. Trent, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Uh, Ready for Friday night. Quick turnaround now. Personally, I hate it. I you hate do? Friday night games yeah. because, well, what I do on the side here with our high school football yeah. play-by-play. So I got a decision to make. Do I turn off the phone, tell everybody in the press box with me, Ankeny Valley, shut up. Yeah, don't, I don't want to know. Leave me alone. I need one Hawk score and it's not the Iowa. Right, right. Or do I just accept it, put it up, bring an iPad, and have the game going while I'm calling another game. I've always been the just accept it guy and yeah. then like go back and watch it on DVR, you know, that kind of thing. It's just so hard for me. Like you're going to be thinking about it. Yes. And then that way, at least on your way home, you can, you know, turn on Dolphin Eddie and, right. you, know, and you know, maybe the game is, is in a good spot at that point. Who knows? Or, or just awful. Ex- and yeah, then you, yeah. then you can start drinking on the way home. You got a bleep button for me, right? If need be. <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> yes. Um, so this is a big spot, man. This mm-hmm. is a big, big game for the Hawkeyes. Much bigger than I thought it was going to be at the start of the season when we looked at the schedule, partially because I didn't know I would be four and oh and a top five team, but also I didn't know what to expect from Maryland. We haven't seen this team very often. I mean, it's been t- since 2018 that, that we played them. Uh, 2014, I think it was the last time Iowa went to College Park and you got, Talia Tagovailoa and a really high-powered offense that feels pretty good about themselves. They've got this one circled. It's a blackout. They want this game. This is a big one. This is a huge one. And one that, before the season, actually, so I pegged Iowa 8-4. And, and we've talked about the reasons, and I think you know it's a quarterback spot. Because I believe that the pieces were there to be better than that, but I had concerns. And we'll get into that just a little bit. Yeah. Because I'm encouraged what we saw last week out of Spencer Petras. But that aside, this is one that I had for Anel because of the short week, because mm. of kind of the goofiness of everything that's involved here. Now, I was played very well on Friday games. Black Friday, a big part of that. But even last year against Minnesota, they played really well in that yeah. game against the Gophers when they had to go up there on a Friday night. So that does give me a little bit more optimism overall. But you look at the way this squad is built. This feels like another one of those games where trying to win it 17-13, probably not going to be good enough. Going to yeah. need to see more out of the offense and a really talented offensive team from Maryland. They can run it. They can throw it. And Tagovoa, he can, he does so many things incredibly well. We got some scheme things, some game plan things I want to get into with the AD because 
I do think, though, that there's an opportunity here to get him out of his game. I don't okay. know what we've seen here the first four weeks. Well, before we get to that, let's talk about our quarterback. And the, the tide has turned a little bit, it feels like, within the fan base at least on Spencer Petras. Uh, he had a good game, had mm-hmm. a couple of really nice-looking deep balls to Keegan Johnson. You hope that they include that in the game plan here a little bit more, especially as, as we move forward, uh, not just Friday, but into the season. Uh, but it feels like we've all kind of decided that the issue, and Petras has his limitations. Sure. There's no doubt about that. So it's it's not the only issue. But the, the biggest issue on this offense isn't Spencer Petras. It's this offensive line. I, I don't think that's a stretch at all. I think that's the place to look. And really, specifically, the tackle spots. You got Mason Richmond out on one side. You got DeYoung on the other. Two really young guys that just haven't had the reps. And you see that continually show up. You look at the run game the struggles that they've had. You look at the pressures that have been given up this year. It's very easy to point at those two spots and where really the concerns are with this offensive line as a whole. And when Iowa can't run it, and they're not going to throw it a whole lot, at least at the level that you'd hope for, that's where the concerns come from. I think you're going to see a better effort, though, out of that offensive line. I think you're going to see an offensive line. We heard some of the stories from the halftime locker room. Wasn't exactly fun to be inside of there. There was some paint peeling. Yes. And it wasn't just Kirk. It was a lot of the people there. Another thing that hasn't been talked about a whole lot is the change at the offensive line coach this year. Mm. You know, I think it's been glossed over a little bit, just the importance of that. And, you know, with the change there, new terminology, new face, new voice, and a different kind of voice because the old guy, he liked to holler yeah, a whole lot. And I don't think you get that at the same level with Barnett. So because of all those different things that you look at here, with the youth, coupled all these things together, you can understand some of those struggles. I think you're going to see a good effort out of that offensive line this week. So strength on strength here in, in this game. You have a, a big play offense in Maryland that likes to pass the ball a lot. I mean, they Tagovailoa has had a, a heck of a season. They've got, what, I mean, 1,300 yards, 11 touchdowns to one interception that they like to do. They have a couple of NFL-caliber wide receivers. You have an Iowa defense that, Likes to not give up the big play, right? Mm-hmm. That that bend, and even when it does, I mean, we saw it against Indiana a couple of times. They had a couple of nice big pass plays that resulted in field goals because yeah. the Iowa bend but don't break philosophy, the ball hawking nature of of this defensive backfield, um, the strength against strength. You talk about some scheme things. Where do you think the the advantage lies in this game? You know, the patience. That's what you need to beat Iowa. You do have to sustain that twelve thirteen play drive in order to beat Iowa defensively. And I just don't think Maryland's ready to do that. They want to hit that big play. It's a lot of the conversation we had before the Indiana game and why, as pessimistic as I normally am, I was optimistic going into Indiana yeah. because I, I looked at it and it said their best offense is when they're taking shots downfield. You want to do that against a Phil Parker team continually. Not a couple of shots, but do it throughout the game. I'm going to take Phil Parker's defense time in and time out, and that played out. And I think you're going to see the same thing here where Iowa, the way that they play, schematically the way they're going to do it. Now, it very well could happen that Talia is going to go out there and he's going to be patient, and he's not going to try to take those shots. But from what we saw from him last year, what we've seen this year, even against an average defense in Illinois, he's not willing to do that. Yes, he will take the dump-offs because that's a big part of their offense. But when there's an opportunity there, when they go max protect, and they're taking that shot, even if it's not there, he's going to take the shot. Kerner, he's dropped three interceptions this year. This is the week. He's going to get one. I like it. He might get two. He might jump the jump the cornerbacks here this week that have a couple interceptions. He's going to jump into the fray. I like Kerner in a big way. 20 points is all they mustered against Illinois. And, and an Illinois team that 
seems less good than it did after that win against Nebraska, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the opening week. Um, is this the week? I mean, it's been since 2018. Black Friday 2018 was the last time an Iowa defense gave up 25 or more points. And that came in a win over Nebraska, mm-hmm. by the way. Uh, is this the week that, that that streak ends? I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be right around that number. I have Iowa winning this one 30-24. So it's yeah. going to be right close to that number. So with that, they're going to score. This is going to be a game where yes. Petrus has to take that step forward. And I thought he made it last week. Yeah. The one thing I told you last week, I wanted to see more than anything out of this Iowa offense was those shots down the field. Yes. And they took them, and look how well it played out. This is not hyperbolic. I already believe Spencer Petrus is a better deep passer than Nate Stanley was. Now, Nate Stanley overall was a better quarterback. For sure. Top to bottom, one through ten, whatever, yeah. you're kind of making the check marks. He's got the advantage. But deep ball was something that Stanley really struggled yes, with. Yes, he did. And Stanley doesn't. Now, does this mean you need to go max protect, that you need to keep those tight ends? When you're going to take those shots that you're basically keeping seven guys in to help block, I think you're going to have to because of the struggles we mentioned with the offensive line. But with all that, the touch is there. He has the ability. Go back to that first touchdown. You could see coming out of his hand, Yes, that was going to be a throw that was going to be close. And it was better than close. It was absolutely perfect to Keegan Johnson. When you look at that, this is an opportunity here to do it. Another thing I want to see this week offensively from the Hawkeyes is messing with the eyes. And that means, you remember the game plan that they had against USC in the Holiday Bowl yes. a couple years ago? Yes. And it was a lot of misdirection. Yes. It was a lot of, it wasn't jet sweeps nonstop, but it was that motion that came out of it. Yeah, Amir Smith-Marset was all over the place. Right. Yeah. And, and getting that, just getting the eyes moving. Maryland's going to be without their best linebacker. Their second best linebacker is banged up. Their third best linebacker looks like he's going to play, but he's also nicked up. So wow. you got a lot of fresh faces there. Their defensive line's really good, and they're going to generate pressure, and that goes back to our offensive line conversation. But the linebackers, I think, are a green spot, and the defensive backfield isn't great either. Mess with their eyes. Move things. This is not a game where you're just going to pawn it with Goodson, zone left, zone right. No, you need to move things around, give them different looks. If you do that, I think you're going to get them kind of out of sorts, and that's a chance to put up the 27, 31 points you need to win this game. 30 to 24 was your prediction. Iowa three and a half point favorite, the over under at 48. So you saying bet the Hawks, give the points, and go over? Well, I was one to four last week on my picks on Miller and Condon. So though I'm over 500 on the year, be careful with that. There, there's nothing that you can take to the bank. I feel good though. And yeah. another reason I feel good, uh, I clicked on an article earlier this week. It was just CBS Sports. And, you know, there are seven, eight guys that they have that do college football. Seven of the eight of them pick Maryland. I like and that. Then I also look at a lot of handicappers that I really follow and people that I respect as it pertains to betting. Publicly, you see kind of the talking heads, not the gambling world, but the talking head world. Everyone loves Maryland this week in that. But as it pertains to the gambling, a lot of people like Iowa this week. Mm. And because of that, when all those people that I believe in, those sharps, if you will, when they're believing on the Hawkeyes, I'm going to jump aboard too. Lee Sterling, our buddy that we have on here uh, on Thursdays on Miller and Condon, he's on the Hawkeyes this week. I'll jump aboard with him, too. I like it. I like it very much. Uh, so there, there's a chance, I guess, that there's a look-ahead factor here, but not <laughs> just for Iowa, because you have Maryland going to Ohio State next week, and, and you know they want a ranking. You know they want a 5-0. and You know they want to kind of have the win over the best team in the West as they go into Columbus. So that'll be interesting. Uh, for the Hawkeyes, though, specifically, what's more likely? 
two and zero or zero and two in this this next two games? I think two and zero. I think so too. I I can't see them because I wouldn't be shocked if they lose Friday night. If no. they lose tomorrow night, I'm not going to fall out of my chair. Nope. And it doesn't matter if I'm watching on DVR at eleven o'clock at night. <laughs> right. I'm still. I'm not going to be shocked if that happens. But if they follow that up with another effort against Maryland, uh, Bent State the following week and lose that. That would surprise me. I would be surprised yeah. by that. So I think 2-0 and is more likely out of the two scenarios. If somebody gave you 1-1 one and one right now, I don't even think I'd sign up for it. And we talked about this at the beginning right. of the yeah. season. Yeah. If somebody would have told you before the year. I would have taken 1-1 one and one of those yeah. first two. And you're right. Now, I wouldn't. Not at all. No. It's funny because then as you look beyond the schedule, I can see why uh, I saw Pro Football Focus had Iowa as the fifth highest odds to make the college football playoff yeah. uh, behind the you know the four schools you would expect to be ahead of them. And I, I feel like nationally, you look at Iowa's schedule and you say, man, they get through this Penn State game. There's no reason they can't run the table. But we know a little better than that, don't yeah. we, Trent? We know that that game against Purdue is not oh, a gimme no. game. We know that trip to Madison is not fun, no matter how bad Graham Mertz is. Mm-hmm. We know the trip to Northwestern is not fun, no matter how bad they are. Minnesota, we don't know what Nebraska is going to look like mm-hmm. come Black Friday. Good I feel defense. like Nebraska is on on a. a, a I, think, I think this week's going to tell us a lot. The way Scott Frost reacted to that game, I feel like they could fall apart completely mm-hmm. and this goes in the tank because it has four years in a row now, or they could rally and kind of have a good season here. It It's easy to say that the Big Ten West is weak and they, there's certainly a lot of teams that look down this year. This still feels like kind of a gauntlet schedule to me as an <laughs> Iowa fan just based on history. You mentioned the Purdue game. That thing scares the crap Absolutely, out of me. Absolutely, it and should. Who knows what David Bell's going to be at that point, but Purdue... Just whatever schematically that Brahm has been able to do, it absolutely throws. I mean, they had that French wide receiver two years ago. <laughs> Nobody heard of the guy, and he's out there catching touchdowns and, and making Hankins look bad and making everybody look bad. They always find a way. They do. So that one is scary. But as we're dreaming, you're talking about getting through this stretch at 2-0. and The great thing is, we go back to six years ago in 2015. They had to be perfect. They had to be perfect because of the schedule that they had. Yes. They didn't have the crossovers. In order to get there, to get to the college football game uh, playoff, they had to be perfect. That's not the case this year. If there is a slip-up, if there is a loss, and you come back and beat whoever it is out of the East in the championship game, I will be in the college football playoff at 12-1. and That's the exciting part about that. But you got to get the, through these next two. And tomorrow night, it's not going to be easy. It's not. It's not going to be... I would be more surprised, not if Iowa loses, but if this is a cakewalk, if they win at 34-10 and just absolutely demolish Maryland. Yes. I think if there is a blowout, it's probably the other way. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, that an yeah. offense like that just has mm-hmm. that ability, but we just haven't seen Iowa give up that kind of production on offense right. as a defense. <laughs> Elsewhere in the big time, I guess the big game is Michigan-Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this? What do you, Who do you like in this game? So I've seen a lot. I mean, I, I'm surprised at how much... Is on Wisconsin here. Yeah. I mean, and I'm one of those favored. I'm, I'm on the Badgers. I'm not at all, but I hate Wisconsin, so my I, it's hard <laughs> for me to take my bias out of it. I saw that fourth quarter. Now, I get they had a lead yeah. going into the fourth or in, you know early in the fourth quarter, but man, it's like if I don't think Spencer Petras can lead Iowa to a, a big win when he has to, I certainly don't think Graham Mertz has those capabilities at Wisconsin. Before we get to Badgers and, and the rest of the Big Ten, who's the best quarterback in the Big Ten West? Jeez. Is it Adrian Martinez? I think it is. My God. It probably is. And Spencer Petras might be second on that list. He might be. Tanner, Tanner Morgan, Morgan looks was awful. awful. Those two throws, they get the ball back two <laughs> different times inside of four minutes left, 
and he throws a pick right away, and they were brutal picks. It was as bad as you're going to find. They can't I never even considered. You're right. Adrian Martinez is probably the, at least the most talented oh, yeah. in quarterback terms, in yeah. the Big Ten West. He's playing at a high level. He is. Because who else is there? It's not Graham Merce. He's no. terrible right now. It's not Jason. It's not Peters, right? Brandon no. Peters no. is fine for what he is, but he's he a guy you put it maybe fifth or sixth on the list. Wow. You go through here. <laughs> All of a sudden, I was recruiting at quarterback. Doesn't seem quite as bad as, right. as maybe you think. No, if they had Zach Wilson, who's yeah. now playing for the Jets, that'd be different, but <laughs> yes, right. that's a conversation for the other day. Back it to is. the Big Ten this week, though. Yeah, what... I like the Badgers in a bounce back, because you're right. They had the lead in the fourth quarter. Michigan, all they can do, they don't have a quarterback themselves. McNamara's no. terrible, and there's talk about change there at the quarterback spot. All Michigan can do is run the ball. That's all they do. And they do Against well, Wisconsin? Well, they're giving up like 1.1 yards a carry. It's something crazy like that. You're not running the ball against that team. If... Graham Mertz can just not crap his pants. They're going to win that game. Now, it might be... No, he might crap his pants. 13-7. <laughs> you like unders? What, what is that? 43 and a half. Yeah, give me the under all day long. I'm taking the under on that. There's no question about it. Yeah, Wisconsin, I heard um, Chad Lysico here on KXNO last night give that stat. I wish I had it right in front of me, but I think it's something like 69, 68 rushes against this defense for a total of 69 yards. Jeez. And they've played Notre Dame... They've played Penn State. Penn State. Like, that's incredible. And this is what Michigan wants to do. You talk about strength versus strength. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I guess I could see it. I'm just, I'm never going to pick Wisconsin <laughs> to win a game. I, I know you will. Any other, any other big, I mean, obviously there's other big games yeah. outside of the Big Ten, but anything else in the Big Ten that really piques your interest this week? Nebraska, Northwestern, maybe? Uh, I, I want to see Minnesota to see if they do bounce back here. Yeah. You know, that Phil, was a bad Phil Fleck, loss. Does he, has he lost this team already? Right. Is it trending in that direction against Purdue that, it's played a lot better than I anticipated here. I think you're going to see a bounce back from the Gophers, but... Yeah, you wonder if they hit their peak with him a couple yeah, of years ago right. before Iowa kind of ruined things. And that was a great game. Yeah, Indiana, was. Penn State in the rematch from last year. Yeah. Penix, was he in? Was he not? I still maintain he was in, but I also had Indiana on the money line in that game, so <laughs> that's a reason for that one. I really do think, though, Penn State clobbers them. It's 12.5 is the number. I really like Penn State in this spot. I just don't think Indiana's very good uh, in that one. And Rutgers, Ohio State. All right, so you're going to the State New State University of New Jersey. Ohio State has all these issues, and Rutgers played well in the second they half. They did. They're limited offensively, and I still think you got to score to beat Ohio State, but Stroud isn't going to be there. He's not going to be starting, so it's back to the true freshman again for the Buckeyes here. I mean, you talk about an absolute wake-up call. What if we get to that game, and all of a sudden you flip it on, and it's late in the fourth quarter? And Rutgers is right there, and they're they're down twenty seventeen, <laughs> and they're driving with the football. They got their own set of issues, I get it, but that's a pretty good defensive team. It is. And Chiano, he might be the only guy that can win at Rutgers, but that dude can win at Rutgers. Trent, thank you, man. This is always fun. I appreciate it. If you missed any of this conversation, check it out on the podcast feed at Hawkeye Nation. Check out Trent's Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast, uh, his gambling advice. Uh, you've been a great asset to Hawkeye Nation, man. It's good to have you on board. Oh, it's been so much fun. Love to be here and love talking Hawks with you, AD. All right, we will be back with a little opposition research as I bring on Ryan McFadden. He's the beat reporter for the Terrapins for the Baltimore Sun. He's going to give us a more uh, complete look at what Iowa faces Friday night right here on the Hawkeye Nation radio show, 1460, 106.3 FM. Welcome back to the 
Hawkeye Nation radio show here on 1460 KXNO 106.3 FM. My name is Andrew Downs taking you through. Thank you to Trent Conan who joined me in that first segment. If you missed any of that, you can find it on the podcast feed at HawkeyeNation.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Hawkeye Nation. Now we're going to take a look at Maryland, going a little deeper, a little deep dive here. I've got Ryan McFadden from the Baltimore Sun. He is the beat writer for the Maryland Terrapins for the Baltimore Sun, and he's going to join us and give us a little inside look at Iowa's matchup tomorrow night. Ryan, thank you for the time. No problem. Thanks for having me. You know, every Big Ten game feels like a big game, especially while the team remains unbeaten. But this one does feel a little bit bit different. From afar here in Iowa, it seems like Maryland has this one circled. You know, you had the blackout. It's Friday night and a chance to really kind of make a statement against the top five Iowa team, especially before you go into Columbus next week. What's the buzz been like this week for this game within the Maryland program and within the, the Terp fan base? Well, I'll tell you something um, uh, first. Maryland's treating this like any normal game. Uh, they're not going. They're not trying to add any additional pressure to themselves heading into Friday night. But it's like when you, if you've been following this program for a while, this is one of the biggest games I would say in years that this program's had, and arguably the biggest game in the Mike Locksley era, era since he took over in 2019. Uh, Maryland's coming in 4-0, first time in 2016. A victory here would give them their first victory over a top 10 opponent since 2007. Uh, I wrote about that uh, today. And last time Maryland had a victory was against number eight Boston College. And that's when Tobey Maguire was still Spider-Man. So um, (laughs) that gives you a sense of how long it's been since Maryland has had a victory over a top 10 opponent. But not only that, it's more of Michael Oxley came in here with the goal of changing his culture. He came in here... like in a, in a more of a rebuilding phase for this program. And in year three, um, this is like basically the point where they want to see the changes. He said that at the beginning of the year that he wants to see the changes in the program in year three. No more excuses. Um, they know they had a talented play, and this is the year they want to, um, you know, take it to the next level. And so far through four games they've had, um, but to me, they need a statement victory. They need something to, to show the country that, hey, this is we're, – we're taking that next step, and we're here to compete in the Big Ten. And I think Friday night provides that opportunity. Yeah, it absolutely does. This is a, a big spot for everybody. Let's take a look at the game itself, Ryan. We we here in Iowa obviously know about Talia Tagovailoa, and I'm sorry if I butchered that name. Uh, we've heard about the high-powered offense, which boasts a couple of NFL prospects at, at wide receiver. Um, who should, maybe other than the obvious names, who should Hawkeye fans be keeping an eye on when the Terrapins have the ball tomorrow night? Uh, you, you touched on a lot of the bases. You talk about Talia. You talk about um, uh, Dante Demas Jr. Uh, you got sophomore Rakim Jarrett. Those two guys are lead that dynamic receiving corps that that Maryland um, has received high, a lot of praise for. But you got to look at the offensive line. Um, the offensive line has done a tremendous uh, with guys like Jalen Duncan, Spencer Anderson. Those guys have done a, a tremendous job of front protecting Tonga Valoa to allow him to be the guy he is so far this season. Um, so that's one thing you have to look at. You got uh, a talented running back in Tayon Fleet Davis. Uh, for the last few years, he's played under Jake Funk, um, Anthony McFarland, Javon Leak, and now this is basically his time to take over that lead, lead running back position, and he's done a, a, a solid job in doing so. Not only he's a solid at running the football, but he can also make plays as a pass catcher as well. Uh, on the defensive side, I, they, they have done a solid job up front 
I believe they're in the top five in the country in, in sacks with 16. Uh, defensive lineman Sam Oconquo has been a force, um, has been a force up there. Uh, like he's, he's, he goes through the offensive line quickly. Um, that's one guy you got to keep a look at. And then the secondary safety, Nick Cross, uh, he's done a tremendous job so far this year. And it's funny, but Nick, he's only played football for six years. He only started when he was in high school. Uh, he first started football when he was, in, when he got to high school. And when you look at him, he looks like he's been playing for a, for a long time. Uh, you got Jacorian Bennett, Tarheep still, Tarheep still had a really a good impact as a freshman last year. And that's only continued this year. And, Jacorian Bennett, uh, that's another guy. He's like one of he's up there in the nation in terms of pass breakups. Um, they play a lot of man. They play a lot of man coverage, and that helps. I'm sorry about that. Um, <laughs> You're good. They, they play a lot of man coverage, and and they and that's also helped with in generating the turnovers. But like I said, um, it all starts up front. Their defensive line puts a lot of pressure on the quarterback uh, when you look at the recent games, and that's what also led to the. The uptick of interceptions that um, this season compared to last year. That's that's really good stuff, man. Thank you for for all those names. You know, people to look out for. Uh, you know, we've we've kind of been looking at this as a a matchup of strength versus strength, and that's Maryland's again their high powered passing offense. Uh, you know, three hundred fifty yards a game from Tagovailoa, all the touchdowns, the the few interceptions, all that stuff. And then on the other side, you have Iowa's stingy pass defense, and they're they're kind of ball hockey. They they go after the ball, and they've really been able to kind of limit the big plays uh, of opposing offenses. I mean, it's been since 2018 that Iowa has given up more than 25 points in a game. Uh, so so it's strength on strength when it comes to that. Are there any other areas that, that you think maybe uh, Maryland or Iowa, when you look at the Hawkeye perspective, has a, a, a leg up, an advantage? Where do you think uh, one team or the other can kind of exploit uh, the other with the most success? The crazy thing, in terms of, of the upper hand, when it comes to Maryland, they kind of beat themselves a little bit. Um, so, and that'll be something to watch out for Friday night. Maryland, uh, they commit a lot of, commit a lot of penalties. Loxley has been talking about it since August, since like, since during training camp. And it's a problem that's been going through. They had dealt with the first four weeks of the season. It's a lot of unnecessary penalties, like your false start, uh, roughing the passer, uh, penalties that like that. And when the competition Maryland has played, like, let's say your Howard, your Kent State, those two teams, those teams have not been able to take advantage of those errors. But a team like Iowa, uh, they can. And Maryland, they want to, if they want to be a, if they want to be competitive on Friday night, they gotta eliminate the unforced errors. They have the talent to to make this make Friday night a really tough um, tough matchup. But if you're down the stretch and you're committing those penalties, whether it's on offense or defense, that can add that can either take the offense back or move Iowa's offense forward. That's going to hurt Maryland and. And this will be a test of that discipline tonight. And it will be a test on how much those errors impact Maryland as well. Like I said, Maryland has not – they faced Howard. They have faced Kent State. Um, Illinois was a pretty tough match. was a pretty close game. But uh, they had, I think I will be the – would give you a sense of how impactful those errors Maryland has committed are. And 
that could, honestly, that could be a difference maker um, on Friday night. Yeah, you know, that's really insightful because that has been the difference maker for Iowa in, in several games and really for two decades now under Kirk Ferentz. They tend to be the more disciplined team, the, the less penalized team, the team that makes the fewer mistakes. And when Iowa's able to play a game like that and put it all together and, and make you uh, pay for some of those mistakes on the other side, that's when Iowa can come out with uh, with some good wins. Another place that Iowa has had a leg up on, on its competition through four games this year has been special teams. Give us just kind of a quick uh, overview of the special teams unit. I mean, is Maryland strong in that? Are, are they a little weak? Is that an issue? Uh, where's Maryland at when it comes to special teams overall? Special teams, I would say, is more of a work in progress. If you ever like watch a few games, especially in the punt in the punt return, they do alternate a lot. So you see Tarheep still sometimes back there. Um, they have put uh, Jay Sean Jones uh, back there, so they alternate in terms of punt returns. They have like. They have made some mistakes there, like like muff. They've uh, muff um, fumbles. Um, they, they ha- it has not come back to haunt them a- as much, um, but they have not been too persistent in terms of special teams, and that's another area they have been trying to work on as well. There isn't a ton of history between these two teams, Ryan. Iowa making its first trip to College Park since 2014, and the teams haven't even played each other since 2018. Kind of one of these weird things in the East-West division of the Big Ten. What's your gauge on how the fan base, and maybe even those within the program, uh, what do they think about this this Hawkeye program? Oh, the, the, the pro, uh, they, they are expecting, um, they're playing, it's obviously, they're expecting playing against one of the best teams in the conference. Uh, they look at it as an opportunity. Like, Iowa's been a really a talented program for years, the number five right now, and Maryland's looking at that as an opportunity to like um, to make a name for themselves on the national spotlight, uh, and that's and they understand the defense that Iowa has, and that's going to be a challenge, and they they really they respect that as well. But this fan base is excited for this game. Um, like I said, this is a really huge opportunity. The players know that, even though Loxley and the team doesn't want to treat it. Um, give to treat it that way. They're trying to treat it as as normal as possible, going through their normal routine. But they understand like the magnitude of this game for this program, and and that and they have a lot of respect for the Iowa for that Iowa team, especially that defense. Um, and it's going to be an interesting matchup. It, it is, man. And, and that excitement and that respect is mutual. I'll tell you that. Uh, everybody here in Iowa has this game circled as well. Uh, this is a big spot on Friday night on a short week uh, going into a hostile environment and, and really for the Hawkeyes trying to prove that they're worthy of that number one ranking and, and kind of the, the expectations that the fan base has now put on them after this 4-0 and start. You can follow him on Twitter. He is at Ryan McFadden underscore and check out his work at the Baltimore Sun. He does a great job of covering the Terps and a bunch of other things. Ryan, enjoy the game tomorrow night and thank you so much for the time today thank you so much for having me all right thank you to ryan mcfadden and the baltimore sun when we come back john bonenkamp from hawkeye nation is going to join me talk some hawkeye football look ahead to this game at maryland look a little past that to some of the upcoming games in weeks ahead and then take a little look at basketball as the uh, basketball practice began yesterday in iowa city and the hawks have what i think could be a fun team you're listening to the hawkeye nation radio show Welcome back to the Hawkeye Nation radio show here on 1460 KXNO 106.3 FM. Thank you to Trent Condon. Thank you to Ryan McFadden from the Baltimore Sun for joining me to talk a little bit about Maryland. Going to uh, bring in another guest, the third guest, to talk a little bit about 
Iowa, Maryland uh, tomorrow night and also get into a little uh, basketball conversation with a guy that you know from decades of covering the Iowa Hawkeyes uh, all over the place and we're super proud and, and happy to have him as part of our team at Hawkeye Nation right now. It's John Bonencamp. John, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. So, through four weeks, 4-0, four and you can't get any better than that. Uh, obviously, a third of the season now over. We know that the defense is good. The special teams are, are solid to very good. And the, the offense has some deficiencies. I guess just overall, ha- has anything so far been a real surprise to you this football season? I, I, think, I think probably, the, I would say the defensive line play. I mean, because there were so many questions about that group coming in. We just didn't know a lot about some of these guys. We didn't know how the rotation was going to work. We didn't, you know, we just we just didn't quite know about, you know, some of the pieces there. And they have played very well. And and I think the the fact and, and you listen to the guys in the secondary when you know they've come up with turnovers, and you listen to Jack Campbell and the other linebackers talk, and they all credit the defensive line with what they've been able to do. So to me, that's been the biggest thing is how that group has come together. A lot of those guys, like I said, a lot of those guys we didn't know about. But they've played very well during you know during this first four games, and I think they've been a big part of this defense that's been kind of overlooked. Yeah, it's it's kind of incredible that because you're right. We've talked all off season, even the coaching staff, even Kirk Ferentz, uh, you mm-hmm. know, on the eve of the season was talking about. Yeah, we're not really sure how that unit's going to put be, be put together. And uh, again, already through four games, they seem like they're almost a strength of that defense. Yeah, I mean, and like I said, you know, yesterday. You know, we were talking to Jack Campbell, and we asked him about his, you know, his 18-tackle game, and he's like, you know, I couldn't have done a lot of that without my defensive line. He said, those guys are getting guys off me. And he said, they're allowing me to roam, you know, and, and do some of the things. And so when, when you hear guys say that, and when you hear, like, you know, Riley Moss, at, you know, early in, the, early in the year when he had the two interception returns for touchdowns, and he's like, you know, credit the, the defensive line for putting pressure on the quarterback – you, you, you've heard a lot of them talk, and so, I mean, like I said, they have been a big part of what, what has gone on, and I think it's gone kind of unnoticed just because of some of the plays that have been made behind them. One thing that hasn't gone unnoticed is the other line, the offensive line, and it's a yeah. position, John, that under Kirk Ferentz, we, I, I think a lot of fans have just expected that even if there are questions about that coming into the season at some point, and usually fairly early in the season, that, that unit will begin to gel and will really become, uh, again, a strength of this team. That that obviously could still happen. Uh, injuries have happened uh, as experience, you know, as as guys get more experience throughout the season. I do expect them to to start looking a little better, but I, I do think that's a concern right now, and we're seeing it not just with Spencer Petrus, but also with this running game. Uh, what what are you seeing on the offensive line, and I guess what concerns you there? Well, I, and Kirk Ferentz addressed this yesterday. Is that I mean they're still rotating guys in and out. You know, you're you're still putting. You know, guys aren't playing every snap. Guys aren't. You know, other than you know Tyler Linderbaum and you know. Uh, but but they're still rotating guys in, so they still don't have that core five that they really like. And you know, four games in, yeah, it's it's a concern, I think. And I mean, but but like you said, you know, the the farther you go down the season now, and I mean, you you get you've got Kyler shot back. He's still getting back in the playing shape because he missed all of fall camp. So he's probably maybe still a couple weeks away from playing, you know, significant time, I think, on that line. But, you know, when you're still rotating guys in and out, you can't develop that cohesiveness. And that's one of the things that have been has always been a big part of this Iowa offensive line is the cohesiveness. Everybody knows what everybody's doing. 
And, you know, and, and Kirk Ferentz said yesterday, you know, we, we want, you know, he said, we want, you want to get to that point where you've got that core five. They're just not there yet. And I think that's been the biggest part of what's been wrong. You know, they've been able to run the ball well. Sometimes they haven't been able to run the ball so well, you know, and it's just been, it's just been inconsistent play. And so, you know, at this point in the season, I think you've got to start shoring that up here as we get in, you know, in the next couple of weeks heading into the bye week. Yeah, it's funny when you 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 go into a season uh, without high, super high expectations, but then you win those first two games like Iowa did. You now find yourself in the top five, undefeated. You, you know, we we do start to kind of nitpick some things, and and I think one yeah. of those things is kind of this running game and and Tyler Goodson's production specifically. We all expected him to come in and be a a Doak Walker Award you know finalist. Some of those things, first team All Big Ten like he was a year ago, and he can certainly get there. And he hasn't had a bad season by any means, but again another game against Colorado State just 57 yards from Goodson do you put more of that on the offensive line is there something that that Goodson's not seen uh where where do you think the issue is with this running game right now I think a lot of it does start with the line and I mean I mean you look at what they were able to do against Kent State and and he was able to get you know he was able to get room to work and, and you were able to do some things with him last week Colorado State really stacked things up inside and that offensive line just could not get any room for him. And so I think teams are going to be doing that to him. I mean, Maryland's going to do that to them on Friday night, I think. And until they show a way to kind of open things up, but again, some of that you can also put on the passing game. Can you consistently throw the ball against some of these defenses? And if you can do that, then it does kind of open things up. But last week, Colorado State did a, did a really good job of, of clogging up everything inside, and they weren't letting him get outside you know, it, it, the, the running game is a function of a lot of different things, and, and right now a lot of those things aren't working together right now. And, and they did against Kent State. You know, you did and it kind of did against Iowa State. But it's – and, you know, before – I mean, in the first game of the season, I mean, he was – he had a 100-yard game until that last run when it knocked him back. So, you know, again, you, you see that two really good games, two not-so-good games, and that all goes back to just the inconsistency right now this offense. Well, I think one thing that, that Iowa fans uh, can can breathe a little easier about is is Spencer Petras and, and his play after watching him against Colorado State. I think may may have been his best game, certainly this season, uh, for the Hawkeyes. And, and because a part of that is because he found the freshman, Keegan Johnson, down the field a couple of times. You know, when Spencer has a pocket, when he gets set, when his read is there, he can make... Make those long throws, yep. those downfield throws, and and you know hopefully that alleviates some of the pressure on the running game and uh, gives teams something to think about. Do you think that's something we're going to see impl- implemented more in the game plan uh, Friday, and then as we move forward? Now that they've shown that they can do this, especially with these this crop of freshman receivers that again we talked about a lot in the in the off season and haven't seen a lot of production as of now, but uh, it seems like those guys could really start to break out, and specifically Keegan Johnson. Yeah, and if you could, and if you could hit that downfield ball, you're right. It does kind of open things up in your defense. I, you know, Spencer Peters gets kind of a bad rap. I mean, he gets blamed for the offensive trouble. I think by a lot of fans, and and you know, I pointed out last week on Twitter, and there were some people who weren't real happy about it. But after three quarters, here's what his stats are, and his stats were pretty good, other than the one throw that he had that, that was intercepted that he just should not have thrown at all. And, you know, and Kirk Ferentz said that, yes, those are things he's got to learn. Those are things, you know. And so if you can hit that downfield ball, and, and I would really like to see them get Tyrone Tracy involved in this offense more because I think, I think teams have kind of taken him away. 
they were able to get a run off, you know, a run for him for a touchdown last week. But I would like to see them get him involved a little bit more in this offense. And again, that's another downfield threat. You've got so many speed receivers on this team right now. And I, I do think last week was kind of a sign that they're getting ready to maybe open that up a little bit and use those guys because they're going to need to do that to just open up that middle of the field for your running game. You know, you mentioned that Tracy touchdown, and that kind of brings us back to the running game. And we, saw, I feel like we saw more of this last year. Some of these, you know, uh, reverses or end arounds or the wildcat formation. We we haven't seen quite as much of that through four games this season. Uh, how important is it, do you think, to to not just get Tyrone Tracy involved, but to kind of again alleviate some of the 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 pressure on that inside running game to to switch things mm-hmm. up play calling wise like that? And I think that's going to happen. And again, they. You know, you have you have two games against ranked teams to open the season, so you really want to be you really want to do some things. The last two games, they've kind of kept things I, I would say fairly close to the best. Now you get into Big Ten play. Now I think you're going to start to see them get back to kind of what they were doing in those first couple of games with the Wildcat and, and with some of the things and start using some of these these players. I don't think they want to get a lot of stuff on film here in the last couple of weeks because you got you know you've got you've got Maryland this weekend, you've got Penn State next weekend. You know, two really important games to get get back into Big Ten play and, and get started. So I do think you're going to see maybe this playbook and this offense open up a little bit. You know, it's it's funny when you you look at this schedule, and obviously these next two weeks are the ones on everybody's mind. And really, it's it's that next week game at Penn State. Although the, yeah. you know, nobody, I don't think anybody's overlooking this game. And maybe it was good that Iowa got a bit of a challenge from Colorado State Saturday, so that they, they certainly won't be overlooking this game Friday night. But man, you start to then look at the rest of that schedule, and I don't know if it's just the the fan the, the fan of me coming out, but uh, you know that game against Purdue that's never easy. You never like that game. Yeah. You're at Wisconsin. You're at Northwestern. You're home against Minnesota. You know, who knows what Nebraska is going to look like by the end of the season. I mean, it's I think nationally you could look at the schedule and say, oh, Iowa can run this table. But I think here and, and kind of knowing all the history of these games, uh, it, it certainly feels like a gauntlet. Um, but expectations have changed, John, and, and rightfully mm-hmm. so, as this team is, has moved up and, and continues to win. Is the expectation or should the expectation now to win the be to win the Big Ten West and get back to Indianapolis? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Because, I mean, that, that West division is just really curiously weird. I mean, go back to, you know, I mean, Minnesota goes to Colorado, plays a, an unbelievably, you know, strong game, then comes home and loses to Bowling Green. Um, you know, everybody in this league has had, you know, clunkers here so far. Iowa had its clunker last week and won. And so I think that gives you, you know, as, as a team, I think that gives you a little bit of confidence that, you know, okay, you know, you made all these mistakes, but you can still win. And so I think, you know, going down the road, I mean, these, these two games coming up, you don't want to, you don't want to lose both these next two games because you don't want to go into West division play with two losses because you can still run the table, but you need for somebody else to lose, you know, you to get that tiebreaker sort of deal. I think you want to, you want to be playing well. If they can get through these next two weeks and they're still undefeated, then you start thinking about, can they go 12 and 0? And so, I mean, I, that's why I think these next two games are really key for them, setting up whatever expectations you're going to have down the road. But I do think this team is still the favorite to win the division. I just think it's just it's it's such a weird division there, and everybody's been so up and down. And, and yeah, I always had its clunker, but they've been consistently finding ways to win games. Yeah, you know, you're right. We uh, At least I focus so much on the Hawkeye game while it's being played that I kind of zone everything else out. And, you know, I came out of that game Saturday thinking, man, 
you know, they, they didn't look great. You know, there, there are some questions. And then you start looking around the rest of the country. You start watching some of these other games. You see what happened to Wisconsin mm-hmm. in that fourth quarter. And you see what happened to Minnesota. And it's like, oh, you're right. Just getting out of there with a win, that, that is a victory. That, that's all. Yep. A lot of teams wish they would have won last week, even in an ugly fashion. Exactly. And that's, and that's like I said, that, that is big because, I mean, there are games. In a 12-game season, you're not, unless you are one of the elite, and even the elites have not had have struggled at times this year, and so it's like everybody's going to have that game that you just endure, you know, just when things just don't go right, they don't feel good. But at the end of the day, if you win those games, you feel a lot better about yourself, saying, "Okay, we survived this. We can do this next." And I think that's the way Iowa was on Saturday. It's like you know, they they knew that they did not play a very good game on Saturday. But they found a way to win, and they, you know, I mean, they shut down defense, shut down Colorado State in the second half, and you didn't let them keep that momentum from the first half. And then they got, then they were able to get some of the big plays that you need to do, and, and that's what you, and that's how you win. That's how you win games in college football, especially when you get in November when you're beaten up and all that. And so I think the, what, they've learned a lot here in these first four games about what they've been able, what they can do, and I think that gives them a lot of confidence now heading into the rest of the season. Black Friday 2018 was the last time this Hawkeye defense gave up 25 or more points. Yeah. It's it's a ridiculous streak. But this Maryland uh this Maryland offense has some weapons starting with you know Tua's little brother Talia Tagovailoa, mm-hmm. uh, a crop of wide receivers. This is a high-powered offense that uh, has a lot of confidence coming into this game and obviously this is a game they've had circled with the blackout of Friday night game. This is a marquee game for this program. Is this the week that this Iowa defense gives up more than 25 points? I don't think so because I I, I think they've seen a lot in these first four games. And you know, I mean this this was a really good preparation for Iowa. And I mean, when you, when you started, when you looked at the schedule at the beginning of the year, you looked at it, okay, you're playing two ranked teams, you know, and, and, you, and everybody kind of thought, okay, if you split them, you're doing pretty good. Well, you swept them and you, and you, and you won on the road in one of those two games. You know, then you, you, you know, you played really well against Colorado state. You had the clunker against Colorado, you know, played well against Kent state clunker against Colorado state. This defense has been so good through all of that. And I, I think they learned a lot by the quarterbacks they've seen in, in these first four games. So, I mean, you're, I think they're pretty well prepared for this, for this kind of offense they're going to see tomorrow night or Friday night. And so I, I think that, that, that they're, they're prepared for this. And I, I don't think – I think this streak can keep going for a little while just because of the way they play defensively and the things they've learned here in these first four games. Kirk Ferentz is a, a man of routine, sometimes a, a rigid man of routine, and, and these Friday night games are always a little different. Now, Iowa has done very well playing on Friday yep. historically. Does the Friday night aspect of this game have any impact in your mind? No, I, I think the, 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 the worry thing for me that, that can kind of creep into some players' heads is, you know, it, I, I really, you know, you can kind of start thinking about next week and what you've got coming into Kinnick and what that game could be. And I, the one good thing about Kirk Ferentz and his staff is they make sure that that doesn't even come into play. And so if, if there's a lot to make you think this is a trap game. But the one thing is, like you said, as, as much of a creature of routine as, as Kirk Ferentz is, they have been really good on short weeks and in, the, in the last couple of years. And I think that's a testament to maybe he, you know, maybe he kind of adjusts things a little bit and maybe has figured out the formula, so it, it kind of takes away a little bit of the unease 
that I had about this game even a couple weeks ago. And then when you start to, to look into the numbers of what they have been able to do on these short weeks in these Friday games, um, you know, I, I, I think I think that's a good sign for this team moving forward, man. Because I think I think I think they've got they've got things figured out, and and I and and I think that's a good thing heading into this game. But yeah, I mean, like I said, things can creep into your head in some of these games like that, and you worry about that with some of you, especially some of the younger players. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you wonder if that, that'll be on the other sideline as well, because Maryland goes mm-hmm. to Ohio State after this game. And, and exactly. so, you know, in their mind, they're thinking, hey, we beat a top five Iowa team. We're a top 20 team going into, yep. into Columbus and, uh, and we could really make some noise in the Big Ten East. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, and, you know, this is their second Friday night game, you know, and, and of the years. So, I mean, they they've already kind of had, you know, some experience with this. So it, it'll be interesting to see the, the mind games that go on. I mean, the, the one thing about Iowa on, on, on Friday is that they can't let Maryland get the momentum that Colorado State got in the first half last mm. week. I mean, you've got to get off to a good start in this game. I think you've got to play well, take that crowd out of it, and, and, and you know make a statement early. Because I don't think you want to let them hang around. I don't think you want to let this thing build like, like last week felt like it was going to do. And... So I think that's, again, a lesson you learned last week is you, you need to get off to a better start, and I think they got to do that tomorrow on Friday night. And then obviously the last thing here on football, John, uh, if I was able to get through this test Friday night, that sets up just an enormous game. I mean, assuming that Penn State gets through Indiana uh, this week for themselves, that's a top-five matchup in Kinnick Stadium, 3 o'clock kick. I mean, how, how big would this game be uh, for this Hawkeye program? Oh, it, it's just going to be, uh, you know, I mean, I – I think back to when I was in school at Iowa and I was there in 85 for the, for the one versus two games. Oh, that's awesome. And um, I I remember what that week was like. And I think that week next week would be just like that on campus. I think there would be so much at stake, you know, for, for Iowa and, and for where it wanted to go. You know, it's not a make or break game in terms of, of the big 10 West division. But if you win Friday night and that sets up, it, it gives a chance to really make a statement nationally that, hey, this program really needs to be where it's at, you know, in the rankings and all that. So, I, you know, like I said, I remember the feeling of the one versus two week. I think that's the way the feeling would be on campus next week. I mean, I think the hype would just be would just be incredible. And I think it would be one of the I mean, it's going to be one of the biggest games ever at Kinnick if it comes down, if both those teams win on Saturday and it's a four versus five game or, you know, if somebody stumbles in front of them, three versus four, whatever it might be, um, I think it's going to be pretty huge. Yeah, I man, I was a, I was a student during the the O two season, and and that you know that that was one where it was just like each week built up and built up, and just yep. it got bigger and bigger, and uh, feels like we may be on the verge of another special season in Iowa City. So fun times, yep. uh, obviously a big big game on Friday night. John, do you want to uh, switch here to basketball? You wrote a piece last week uh, on Hawkeye Nation. If people haven't read it, they should definitely go do that because, as I said at the at the start of this, basketball season is coming. Practice uh, yeah. begins today, I believe, and, and you wrote mm-hmm. last week about some of the off-season injuries or, or the rehab from some of the you know late-season injuries and, and the depth that Iowa is trying to utilize this season after losing, I mean, a huge chunk of production from last yep. season. So where, where do you think expectations should be for Hawkeye basketball this winter? You know, I, I, I think this is probably going to be a better team than what people are thinking about them right now. And I mean, there's a lot of things that I think have to fall into place for them. 
But the one thing about it is that, that he, Fred McCaffrey has a lot of options with this team right now. And they're young options. And, I mean, you, you've got a lot of guys that played, you know, bit roles last year that, you know, are now going to see their roles expanded. Okay, so how do those guys handle that? How does Joe Toussaint handle, yeah, he was a starter as a freshman, but now this is his offense. You know, how's Aaron Uvis going to handle it, it when he's running it? You know, how's Tony Perkins going to develop? How's Patrick McCaffrey going to develop? I mean, he gave them really good minutes last year. He's going to have to play a lot more this year. I mean, you see a lot of, there's a lot of guys that, Keegan Murray, I mean, look at the hype that's going to be on Keegan Murray this year. And, you know, he got a little bit of starting experience last year, played well, had a great freshman season. How does he develop? So there's a lot of questions around this team, but the one thing I like about him is there are a lot of options, and you can figure out where you go, where this can go. There have been some guys banged up this summer. They haven't really had their whole team together. It's one of the things that Fran McCaffrey said, because, you know, Connor McCaffrey was out all summer with his, you know, coming back from hip surgery. Joe Toussaint was, was there later on after he was coming back from his off-season surgery. Aaron Ewis had off-season surgery. And then you had some guys get hurt, you know, later in the summer. Um, it, once they get the whole group together, I think he's going to know what he's got and how it all fits together. You've got a few weeks to figure it all out. And, I, you know, like I said, I, there's a lot of options on this team, a lot of depth. It's just really young. I think it's going to be one of those teams that's going to get better as the season goes on. Fans, I think, just have to maybe be a little bit patient with them because I think this is going to be a team they're going to really like once you get into January and February. See, I'm, I'm with you, yeah, and I, I feel like I've been taking a little bit of crazy pills, and I understand the 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 reasons that people are, are worried about this mm-hmm. team. You, you've lost the, the best player in program history in Luca Garza, uh, a player in Joe Wieskamp that uh, had just some huge games. Uh, we all expected C.J. Frederick to p- kind of be the offensive uh, yep. go-to this season, and that's not going to be the case, but I'm excited to see... Like, like you said, Joe Toussaint kind of take this team over. I'm excited to see Bohannon get away from needing to bring the ball up the court every time. Uh, the the Murray twins and, and the way that the people in the program talk about Chris Murray specifically and kind of what they're expecting from him, the Patrick McCaffrey, the Philip Robracha edition. Uh, I'm excited for this team. I, I don't know. I don't expect them to be what they were last year. I mean, last year it was no. the best team under Fran McCaffrey, the best season, even though it ended poorly in that Oregon game. That was a fun season. It was a great season. I'm not expecting top five. I'm not expecting to, you know, compete for a, a Big Ten title or anything like that. But I do think this is going to be a fun team to watch. I think they can give a lot of people games, and I think they got a good chance to uh, to play themselves back into the bubble and, and maybe get back to the NCAA tournament. Well, and I mean, the schedule, the schedule works out for them pretty well. I mean, it's... It, it isn't the non-conference schedule that people want to see, but you know what? I think this is a schedule that kind of gets this team put together. I mean, it, it's not going to be very good in those first few weeks in November, but when you get into December, you, you've got some games in there that, that will really kind of show where this team is at. And I mean, it, and so I, I just think it's a team that, that I want to see people be patient with them because I think it's going to be a team that's going to take a little while to find an identity. And identity is very important in college basketball and chemistry is. And I think if this team has can develop that early, the earlier, the better, but the more this develops with this team, I think this is going to be a fun team. I think that this is going to be a team that people like, you know, again, you've got the depth to survive an injury here or there that, that always happened. I just think it's going to be a team that I think people will like it. Just be patient with it because there's going to be some there's going to be some some problems early on, just in terms of finding everything and how it all fits together. 
Follow him on Twitter, at John Bonencamp, and obviously check out all of his work at HawkeyeNation.com as well as other places. He'll have Friday's game covered as well as a lot uh, of other stuff going on. John, thank you as always for the time. I'll be, uh, I'll be asking you to join me here uh, fairly frequently uh, as this conversation was a lot of fun. So thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And that's going to do it for the Hawkeye Nation radio show here on KXNO. Andrew Downs wrapping things up. Thank you so much for joining us. If you missed any of the show, you can find it on your podcast feed at Hawkeye Nation. And check out HawkeyeNation.com for all of your Hawkeye news and notes, and especially tomorrow night as Iowa travels to Maryland. Thank you so much for listening. Go Hawks!